Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. We hope that this message will challenge you and encourage you on your journey of faith. If you would like to learn more about Journey Church, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and online at thejourneychurch.cc. Now enjoy the message. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, y'all, y'all know what's up, right? All right. So what's uh, what Worley's uh, home services, what's their tagline, Chris? See the van, trust the brand, right? See the cup, you know what's up. <laughs> Came up with that on my own this morning. Y'all know the, the, the young lady that was standing right here, that's my bride. I don't, know, I, don't, I don't know if everybody knows that or not, but I've told you this before, I'll tell you, it's, I'll tell you again because it's pertinent to right now. As a man, and I don't know about women, but as a man, when you get to a certain age, there are two paths that diverge in the woods, and you got to pick one, all right? You're either going to be a grumpy old man, or you're going to cry. <laughs> so I'll let you guess which one I am. Uh, yeah. Little little piece of, uh, of Rob and Tara trivia, just so you know. I'm looking at it, she's like, wait, what? So we, we've been married for 19 years. Next year will be 20. And we, we, we both have previous marriage experience. They're like, they were like starter marriages. You know, like, you know, like when you buy your first house and you ignore the home inspector's report and you buy it anyway? It was like that. It, my starter marriage... Tara was the wedding singer. It's true. It's true. Now you know. <laughs> All right. So for the past four weeks, we have been in uh, on a journey. See what I did there? On a journey through some key aspects of discipleship. We've learned that a disciple is anyone who has embarked on a journey with Jesus. We learned that a student wants to learn what the teacher knows, but a disciple wants to do what the teacher does. That is some fantastic preaching. That was like second or third best for the whole series. We learned that the world will know that you are disciples of Jesus by the way you love each other. We learned about prayer, that the life of a disciple is basically one long conversation with God, and that it isn't a word vomit, right? It's some talking, but really, it's a lot of listening, right? And that if you're, talk, if you're running your mouth all the time, you're missing opportunities to learn and see things, right? And last week, we learned that the life of a disciple is marked by generosity. Because we can trust God to supply all our needs, that puts us in such a place of security that we're not afraid to be generous with our time, our talents, and our treasure. We're going to add another thing to the checklist this week, and that's rest. And it would be really, really, really an oversimplification to look at the at the Christian life as just that, as a checklist of like, here's all the things that I got to do. Check, 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 check. 
to be a good disciple. Like, so if I do all these things, like that's going to make me a good disciple. And what that is, is that's a shortcut to nowhere. So the point is not to be a better human, like through some kind of a program, you know, like, uh, do you guys ever see Napoleon Dynamite? You know, you know Rex Kwando, you know, for $300, you can join my eight-week program. It's not, it's not like that, okay? It's, it's, it's not like that. The, fa the fact of the matter is this. We live in, in a world that is filled with difficulties and dangers and hard things. And in the midst of that, Jesus calls us to unconventionally rest. It just doesn't make any sense, does it? So that's the final trait on this checklist here that we're brought to, and that is rest. If you were to have followed me around for the last week or so, you would find it highly ironic that I were <laughs> going to stand up here for 30 minutes-ish and talk to you about rest. But it's true. Here I am. Uh, I'm actually a really good rester. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's, I've been I've been surfing for tw 39 years. Maybe that makes me a naturally like, dude. I'm just a good rester. <laughs> yeah. So all right. So if if you've ever been here before and and heard me speak like once a quarter, um, I'm good with that. Uh, once a quarter, you will know that you're going to get some kind of a sciencey like little lesson here. So here we go. Here's the science lesson part. All right. The difference between sleep and rest, because they're not the same. All right. They're not the same. All right. The difference between sleep and rest. Sleep is physically immersive. And it's a really, really, there's like, there's so much going on while you're asleep. Um, during sleep, you are completely disengaged from what's going on around you. Like there's like this wall goes up, all right? So in this little kind of deep dive that I was able to do, I discovered that I knew that there were some things that your body does while you're sleeping, but among that list is like digestion takes place like primarily while you're sleeping. Um, cell repair takes place while you're sleeping. Your body produces and releases uh, all sorts of important proteins and hormones and things like that that are really like physically beneficial to you and that only happens during sleep. Another really cool thing that happens is anybody ever defragged their hard drive on their computer? Who are my nerds? Okay. Well, it's this process where it used to be that storage space was like at a premium on computers. It wasn't like you could just go to Costco and buy a five terabyte external hard drive. They were like, all these little spaces were important. So what would happen is, over time, your computer would store a file and then an empty space, and a file and an empty space, and a file and an empty space. And all those empty spaces would add up to constitute a bunch of stuff. So it would basically just go through the hard drive and take this file and move it over into the empty space, to, to, like a line with 100 people in it, space four feet apart, tighten the line up. Now you got a bunch of space at the end. Well, that's what your brain does at night while you're sleeping. All of the memories of the day, your brain goes through those things and it sifts through them and it learns, it, it decides what to keep, what to throw away and where to put those things. And that's when you're dreaming. That's what's going on. Is that your, your brain is basically in the background 
going over everything of the, you know, all the events of the day, and it goes, oh, yeah, uh, the, the, you almost drowned surfing today. We're going to put this over here with the almost drowned surfing memories, you know, and then in the process of that, you see the other times that you almost drowned surfing and probably going to have a dream about drowning surfing. But that, that's one of the things that happens while you're asleep. And if you've had trouble sleeping, you will know how important sleep is. And the reason that it's important is because of these functions that, like, that's when they take place. That's the only time that they take place. So when you're not getting enough sleep, all the functions that I listed above are things that are not happening for you. Rest, on the other hand, is a completely different process. In, during rest, you can be uh, completely present and, and, and in the moment of like whatever is developing right then. That's, that's, you can be awake, um, engaged in activities. Um, rest can take place while you're doing anything. Um, rest is defined as any behavior aimed at increasing physical or mental well-being. Rest is individual and personal. Um, I'm a super high-energy person, if you couldn't tell. So my rest might make you have a heart attack. Your rest might bore me to tears. But whatever your rest is, is good for you. Whatever that is. Whether it's like you know, going out and paddling a kayak five miles, or going for a surf, or reading a book. It's, it's subjective. Your rest, whatever you do, is good for you. Sometimes I'll take a whole, like a day off from work where, where like I'm not making any money, not being productive, and I'll go out and I'll go crabbing, like old school, with the, with the chicken neck and the hand line and the net, and I'll, you know, I'll catch a couple dozen crabs, I'll come home, I'll steam them, I'll pick them, and Mama Tara makes a mean crab cake. Y'all, that woman can cook. I should weigh like 300 pounds. I guess I'm busy. I don't know. But in, in one of the times of doing that, I thought to myself, man, if I had just gone to work today, I could have taken everybody in the house out for like the best crab cake dinner you ever had. But don't make that mistake because life isn't about earning money to buy things. It, it's not. There is overwhelming value beyond price, beyond cost in rest. All right, science stuff's out of the way. You guys can relax now. All right, our first slide, John. We see that God rests even. It's right there very in the very beginning of the Bible. So God creates the heavens and the earth day and night, earth and sky, continents, oceans, fish of the sea, things that creep on the land. And then finally, he creates, what's the last thing that God creates? Very last thing. People. People. Like, then it's done. So, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Why did God rest? Was he tired? No, 
probably not. So at the end of the process of creation, we have everything made that was made. Like it's done, it's, it's complete. Humans are on the scene, and the first thing that God does in the presence of his children is rest. What a fantastic example. So day seven for God was a day of rest, but that for people was day one. And I think that sets, I, I've, I heard this in another sermon I don't know, six or eight years ago, and I, and I was able to put it into practice in my own life. So here's your like white bearded dude wisdom for the day, like practical application portion of our program. And that is that, is that while God rested from his work, we are intended to rest for our work. So if you're like a Monday through Friday type person, you know, Sunday is, should sort of be a day that, that you purpose in your mind to prepare yourself for the week coming up. And, and when you kind of like flip that dynamic, you know, we're, we're, it's kind of ingrained in us to treat the weekend as an escape from the week. And when in reality, if you rest for your work or rest, rest for what you know is ahead, you've charged your batteries. You're like, you're ready to be effective. And, and I, that's, that's biblically modeled. Um, and I, I do that from time to time and it helps me, I do a lot of stuff. And it helps me do a lot of stuff without going crazy. So you rest for your work, not from your work. All right, verse, what was verse three? Let's see, did we have verse three there? We didn't, can you pull me verse three? of job Genesis chapter 2 I didn't even put it down <laughs> Genesis 2 verse 3 Thank you Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done Rest is holy Rest is holy so notice here that it doesn't say, after this, it doesn't say, on the eighth day, God started his work week again. All right? After six days of creation, there's rest, and then what? I found a really cool, uh, like a Jewish commentary on this passage of scripture, and it basically said that God was in a position of creation, a posture of creation, and then on the seventh day, he went into a posture of rest, which is the posture that he continues into this day. But that rest was as an overseer of his perfect, complete creation. So you have, he has the six days of creation. Invite any, and then people come in, and then God assumes this posture of a resting overseer. Let's have Genesis 1, 28 through 31. All right. Now, we're going to see that God has invited his people into this activity with him. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. 
Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Next. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. What we see here is God saying, look, I've made everything for you. It's good. Now you can enter into the position of rest with me in overseeing this perfect and complete creation. So later in the story, though, we see sin enter into the picture. And the way that that happens, I'm going to really oversimplify the whole thing for you. Okay, you ready for this? All right. There's one lie. There is one lie that the devil has. That's it. There's only one. And it's packaged up in infinite different packagings. You know, it puts on different skins. It looks different. It talks different. It's one lie. That's this. You ready? All right, all right, baby birds, you ready? There is more to life than God's best for you. God is holding out on you. All you have to do is X. Insert activity here. All you have to do is this thing, and you're going to unlock all the stuff that God doesn't want you to have because he's afraid you're going to be like him. Super powerful. God's holding out on you. One lie. That's it. And that's the same lie that I think each of us fall for over and over and over again. So we live today in a world that is, I'm going to use the word infested with these four things, bigger, better, faster, more. And that's a result of grabbing a hold of the lie that there is something more to life than God's best for you. So today we have terms like passive income, multitasking, side hustles, <laughs> overcommitment, efficiency studies, working lunches, working vacations. All right. We encourage people to monetize their hobbies. Oh, you should monetize that. You make all oh, those bracelets are great. You should monetize that hobby. Open up an Etsy store. <laughs> so every other part of the natural world we see has, has cycles of, of life. And mostly they have to do with like how much sunlight they're getting in a particular season or a particular location of the earth. Everything except people. We are not limited by that. Dark, turn on a light, right? Too hot, turn on the AC. Too cold, bump up the heat. Can't breathe underwater or in space, 
take your environment with you. The result of that, as cool as all that stuff is, is that there is no space in your life that is outside of the, bond, the bounds of labor. Labor can, because of all this, because we're so smart and, you know, all this cool stuff, guess what? 24-7, you can work. And I don't think that's what God had in mind for his, his children. I, I really don't. I'm not trying to, you know, poop on the modern life or anything, but... <laughs> So have I painted a bleak enough picture for you of, of modern life this morning? Yeah, yeah. You're going to, what's, what's in uh, Star Wars? He's like, you don't want to sell me death sticks. You want to go home and rethink your life. Yeah. So, but in essence, like, this is what the Bible does. The Bible points out the condition of humanity and then offers a solution. So this morning, I hope I've done a little bit of that. Here's the solution part. All right, but Jesus, <laughs> okay, but Jesus. Jesus as a man, think about this. Jesus as a man is mankind as God intended. We see the life of Christ. We can look and we can see that this is what God meant for us, not what we have, all right? God does a tremendous job of showing us what to do. You ever have anybody in a position of authority tell you to do as I say, not as I do? That's a tough one. That's a tough one. All right, Jesus, Mark 2.23. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the day of Abiathar, about that guy, the high priest, yeah, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat, and he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, this is, a, this is the punchline here, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. There one more. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In this one statement, Jesus took like all the regulations that they had about the Sabbath, and he just like, you know. <laughs> so what they had done, what these people had done, and it's no different than what we do, to be honest with you. Like we think we're like so smart and better off and well thought out, and we're really not. But they had taken something that God intended as a gift for them and gave it a hundred rules and turned it into a job. You know, if you look at like the regulations for Old Testament rest, it's nuts. It's a, it's a whole job. And Jesus says, look, you've taken this beautiful thing that God gave you as a gift and you turned it into a burden. 
what things has God given you as gifts that you turned into burdens? Family? My family is a tremendous blessing to me, a tremendous gift. But if I get really obsessed about working hard to provide all of the nicest and best things for them while being absent from home, I give work the best of me and I give my family the rest of me. So in the process, I've turned something that God's given me as a blessing into a burden to maintain. I've turned my family into a maintenance item. What things has God given you as a gift that you have transformed into a burden? Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. These are, these are words in red if you're, you know, in a paper Bible. This is Jesus talking here. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So in this passage, this is sort of the end of this long uh, long red section here in, in, in your paper Bible. Jesus has come out of a time of teaching. He was teaching with just the 12, and then he's, he's with, these, with a multitude of people, and John the Baptist has sent mis, uh, messengers to ask him, like, are you the one? Are you the one, or should we, should we keep waiting for somebody else? He's given them an answer, sent them away, and then he goes into this long speech here, which is part teaching, it's part, he admonishes the people, uh, part that, and then uh, a part prayer. And in the midst of this prayer is this, this statement, come to me, all who are weary, who labor and are heavy laden. So the Greek, here's some more, some more like nerd stuff I did for you guys this week. Because I, I saw this come to me, and I was like, there was another passage that I, that I kind of wanted to tie to this, and I was like, man, I wonder if that's the same word. So it's, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. The Greek, duro. Can you say it? Say duro. You got duro. You got to roll the R. It's like, he, like hero, you know, or a gyro. It depends on which, you know. <laughs> like, can I get one of them lamb gyros? Duro. All right? It's Greek. It means to come to. It means it's basically like saying, hey, come here. So Jesus is saying, hey, come here. Everybody that's tired, like seriously, everybody raise their right hand if you can. All right. Now put your hand down if you're not tired. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So this is all, you know, this is like that. In, in, in the Greek, that word all means all. Yeah. Yeah. So the Greek, come to it. It's to say, come here. And he says, learn from me, not just what the teacher knows. Learn from me. Do as the teacher does. And uh, yoke, you guys know what a yoke is? It's not the yellow part of the egg. <laughs> All right. It's this, uh, it's this wooden thing. You, you can see it on like, you know, 
old-timey programming westerns and stuff it's this wooden thing that they would put two draft animals together with for work all right and what you do what happens when you when you put two animals together is it multiplies their effectiveness all right one draft horse like those big like Clydesdale looking draft horses can pull 8,000 pounds guess how many guess how much weight two draft horses can pull yoke together 24,000. It's not twice, it's three times. Isn't that crazy? It's still a burden. Jesus doesn't say, you know, you're not going to have any more burdens. It just says, we're going to carry this together. You're still going to have burdens, but they're going to be lighter. Your 8,000 pound burden is going to feel like a 2,000 pound burden. <laughs> Still a burden. It's not going to crush you. I've come to think of this life yoked to Jesus like a really good marriage. A really good, like, like the best one. All right. Mama Tara has two pieces of patented marriage advice. You know, you go to like a wedding shower and they have you like write something down on a card like what's here's your best you know wedding advice she's got two the first one is you don't always have to be right even when you are right i think that kind of speaks for itself just just take that and let that let that simmer for a little bit right the second one is marriage is not 50 50 it is not. It is not. It means that you are yoked to a partner that says, like, hey, you only got 10 today. I got 90. Let's do this. <laughs> Some days, both of you got 10, and you just agree, you know what? Today's a 20 day. <laughs> you know? Some days, both of you each have 100 but you do it together because you enjoy it. That's this, that's this, that's kind of like a, a thing that we can understand, an everyday thing that we can wrap our heads around that helps us to understand this life yoked to Jesus. All right? Some days you got zero and Jesus says, I got you. Right? Some days you got 50 and Jesus says, let's do this together. Some days you feel like you got a hundred, you got it all. Like you're like, yeah, God, I'm, I'm, you know, Rob, take the wheel. Like Jesus, you just, you know, like keep the registration in your hand when we get pulled over, you know. Like, and Jesus says, like, all right, cool, you, you got this. I still want to come along with you. We can do it together. I like to come along to enjoy it with you. All right, so that back to that word, that Greek word. Anybody remember what it was? Giuro, very good. Very good. Man, you guys, gold stars all around. So, so what I had hoped for was actually true. I used the uh, Strong's Concordance thing, which you can use to, like, look up Greek words and, like, see, like, where else is this? And where else is this in the Bible is, like, whole nerd stuff. Like, same word shows up in John chapter 11, 43 and 44. This is again Jesus. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. 
44. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. The same word that Jesus says, come to me, in the Greek is the word that he says to Lazarus, who is dead. Come out. Juro. Juro. We see Lazarus again, and I was like, well, when is this? How, how, how much, you know, what, what's the time that transpires between, like, him being dead and smelling bad and all that stuff and the next time we see him? It's basically like a week. It's not that, not that you know, much into the, into the story past that. But we see Lazarus again the next time, fully alive, and this is like a week before the crucifixion. It's right before Jesus comes into Jerusalem and the Palm Sunday and Hosanna and all that stuff. Martha and Mary give a dinner in Jesus' honor, it says. And this is the whole story where like Martha and Mary are like, have this little thing going on where Martha's in the kitchen doing all the work and Mary's just chilling, like sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Martha comes to Jesus and is like, hey, I got the dishes have to be done and the, you know, the, the food has to be prepared and the table has to be set. And look at her. Tell her to get up and get to work. You know, it's the same thing going on. Where's Lazarus? John chapter 12. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. The posture of the man who is living a resurrected life is that of a man who is reclining at table with Jesus. While there's a lot of stuff going on in that house, you got the two sisters fighting, Trying to bring Jesus into it, the referee, right? The position that Lazarus is in is the position that God called humanity to at the very beginning. And Jesus came to remind us of that. And it's the place that Jesus invites us as we are on the journey with him. And that is a place that is of rest, even when there's a lot going on in the house, even when there's a lot going on at work, even when there's a lot going on in your car, even when there's a lot going on at Food Lion. It is entirely possible to be in a position of reclining at table with Jesus while still being present in the present. You don't have to check out to do it. Response or no? All right. All right. Jesus says, look, I've done the work. Everything is here for you. It's just like in Genesis where God says, look, I've done the work. Everything is here for you. Everything is here for your good. Come to me in your time on earth and enjoy everything I've done. 
everything I've created for you. Stop working so hard in your mind and body for the lie that there is something more than God's best. Jesus is trying to give you something very special. And that's what it is, it's a gift. It's not something you have to work for, strive for, it's a gift. And it's right in your grasp. You don't even have to get out of your chair. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to strive for it. And most importantly, you don't have to be insecure about losing it. It's yours. So throw away the checklist that you have of all the things that you have to do to be a proper disciple because it's a shortcut to nowhere. Throw it away. Come unto him. Get on the journey with him. The result is, over time, you will find yourself loving better. You'll find yourself listening more to his voice. You will find yourself more naturally generous with your time, treasure, and talent. Because you've developed a confidence that he's gonna provide for your needs. That's the result of those things. These things aren't the things that bring the result. These are the results of the thing. Resting can and should ideally be an activity that's not confined to a day of the week. It's a posture of going through life yoked to Jesus. And it doesn't guarantee that there's not going to be a storm. What it does do is it helps keep the storm outside. Not only are you seen, heard, and loved, you are held. Doesn't that feel good? I'm going to pray really quick, and then me and, uh, me and Bowtime are going to get out of here. Father God, we thank you so much that you are such a great father. that you lead and you teach and you correct by example. Lord, that you just give us such a great picture of what it looks like to go through life in a state of resting, resting in your goodness, resting in your truth, resting in knowing that we are seen, loved, known, and held by you. Lord, we thank you for the miracle of community this morning, that we can participate in this together, and that, Lord, you long to participate in it with us. Help us to be mindful as we prepare ourselves for the week ahead that you are rest. Help us to just grab a hold of that and incorporate that into our lives, Lord.
We thank you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead.